This is part four on Philippians 3, 18 to 21. And the question in this session and the next two, believe it or not, three sessions on what does it mean to be enemies of the cross of Christ? For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. Their mindset is on earthly things. So we've spent a good bit of time analyzing what it means to have your appetites as your authority and your treasure and what the result is in having a, a worshipful disposition towards this new God of appetites that causes behaviors to rise up that are dishonorable and shameful, and, and yet you boast in them, and how that is rooted in a mindset that is merely earthly and not godly. And my question now is, how does a, a person who's marked like this, who's characterized like that, how, in what sense are they enemies of the cross? Father, nothing is more important in the universe than Christ and what he did on the cross to glorify you and to save sinners. Oh, we need and we plead for your help to understand what it is to be an enemy of the cross. I pray for your help now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to step back and ask What's the, the design of the cross? What is the cross of Christ meant to do or be, which if you opposed it, resisted it, went the other direction, would make you an, an enemy of the cross? So I'm going to suggest that out of the infinite number of ripple effects that flow out from the cross, there are two basic aims of the cross. One I'm going to use different words. One would be atonement for sin, covering sin, solving the sin, uh, guilt problem, and the other would be an example of how to live. So this one takes care of the guilt of sin. This one points us to the kind of life that would be less sinful. Or we could say uh, the cross is a door to life, life eternal. Or down here, we could say the cross is a design for living here and now. The cross points to a way of living, a door to life, a way of living. Or you could say it like this, the cross is a place of punishment for sin. Christ bore our sins on the cross. Or you could say the cross is the power not to sin. So you see the difference. Now those are not opposites. They're not competing with each other. It's both and. I'm, I'm arguing that we see these in the Bible. I'll show you in just a minute. And the question would be, when, when he says these are enemies of the cross, does he mean they're people that are doing things and teaching things that would undo the atonement? 
say there's another door to life, say there's another way to get our sin problem taken care of besides uh, the cross is bearing our punishment? Or is he saying these folks are militating against the example of the cross and saying there's another better way to live than the life of crucifixion and saying that the cross is not a power to keep us from sinning? So that's where we're going. Let's take them one at a time. I just want you to see these in this session in the New Testament. Then next time we'll step back and say, which is going on here? So first, the cross as an atonement. Colossians 2. I'm going to stay with Paul here, except for one root in Jesus' own teaching. And you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, you who were dead, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How did he do that? How can God be righteous and forgive us all our trespasses? Here's how he did it. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us, so the entire record of all your sins and all the debts that you owe God, which would be hell if you paid it in full, That record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So the cross stands for the place where the record of our debts, all our trespasses, are nailed through the hand of Jesus onto the cross. What could be more beautiful than that picture that the way our sins are forgiven is by the cross being the place where they were punished, paid for. Or you could see it here in Romans 5, 8, and 9. God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross for us, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, which he shed on the cross when those nails were put through his hand and into the cross because of our record of debt. We were declared righteous, just by his blood. Much more shall we be saved. So the cross is a place of our guilt being taken care of. Or here's another one. Galatians 2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, now there's a big context here. He means If you embrace law-keeping represented by circumcision as the means by which you will get right with God, then Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, not that it's wrong to circumcise in and of itself, but if you accept circumcision as the means by which you find right standing with God, that is, if if law-keeping is the method of your justification, then you are obliged to keep the whole law. So if you're going to make circumcision essential to that law-keeping method, you've got to follow the whole method, and the whole method is keep the whole law. If you're going to go the route of law-keeping as a way of justification, there's a way to do it, namely be perfect and keep the whole law. Only Jesus did that. It won't work for anybody else. You are severed from Christ If you try to go that route of whole law keeping, Christ was given to you as an alternative way of justification, an alternative way of getting your guilt problem solved and making you reconciled with God. You who would be justified by the law, there you can see the point of 
referring to circumcision, you have fallen from grace. The, the cross is the place where grace is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 11, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, so if I were to switch gears and to preach circumcision as a way of law-keeping justification, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross, now there you see it, has been removed. The offense of the cross is that the cross is the place where our ability to keep the law is highlighted. It's very offensive to have to depend on a crucified Savior to cover all our sins and admit that we could never keep law, keep the whole law. And so the way you become an enemy of Christ in this case is to start preaching law-keeping as a way of justification. So that's my example from the Bible to show that the cross is a means of atonement, a door to life, a punishment for sin. And if you want to be an enemy of it in that sense, you propose another way of justification and salvation besides Christ crucified. Now, here's the second way, the cross as example, the cross as design, the cross as power. Let's go first to to 1 Peter 2. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So there you can see that the tree, the cross, bearing our sins on the tree is also designed not just as a way of atonement, but a way of helping us kill sin, live righteously. Or here's Mark 8.34. Jesus said, calling the crowd to, uh, to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. In other words, the cross in Jesus' mind is not only a place where our sins are forgiven, but where we are shown how we're going to live like Jesus. The cross is a way of life, not just a way to life. Or here it is in Galatians 6.13. Even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So there is a, a path of boasting even as they are attempting to keep the law. The law is becoming a means of boasting, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And there you can see a life, a lifestyle, a lifestyle of crucifixion to the world here and the world to us here. Or here it is again in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified. So the cross is a place of my crucifixion, not just Christ's. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You can see how the cross defines a new way of life, of faith in Jesus. One more text to show this. 1 Corinthians 1.17 Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross 
should be emptied of its power. If I sought to exalt myself through eloquent Greek wisdom, I would nullify the cross. Thus, the cross is designed to humble me. It's a way of life. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For Jews demand signs. Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified on a cross, a stumbling block to Jews, folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, this Christ crucified, the cross, is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the Greeks seek wisdom and they think that this wisdom is foolishness. The Jews demand signs of power, and they think this power is weakness and a stumbling block. And therefore, what we can see is that the cross is designed to humble us. We empty it of its power if we seek to be powerful, wise people in the eyes of the world. So I come back here and say, when Paul talks about being enemies of the cross in Philippians 3, 18 to 21, he may have in mind people whose lifestyle, say this lifestyle right here, or people whose doctrine and teaching is nullifying the cross as a way of atonement, a door to life, a punishment for sin, and they're suggesting a different way of getting right with God and dealing with our guilt. Or he may be saying that the enemies of the cross are people whose lifestyle is undermining the cross as an example, the cross as a design for living that humbles us, or the cross as a power not to sin. Which is it? Or is it both? How do they relate? We'll try that next time.